0: Welcome to Sew and Tell, where sewists from fashion, theater, and indie sewing bring their different perspectives to the hottest topics in the sewing community. I'm
1: Kate Zeinart. I'm Meg Healy. And I'm Amanda Carestio. Today on the podcast, we are talking about passing our love of sewing on to the next generation, as moms, as aunts, as sewing instructors, and all of our various capacities. We'll discuss fun first sewing tasks and then welcome special guest regina carlovaro from Genomi to talk about next steps in sewing from there we'll each share a little something in our sojo segment and we'll ask you to share something too uh but before we jump in how's everyone doing pretty good we're recording on friday this week instead of monday
0: next week so i'm pretty excited to be almost done with my um week how
1: about you guys it's been a long week it's been a long week but it's been
2: a good one but i'll be working all weekend but it'll be fun work because we're filming style revive season two which will be super fun because um my lovely husband julian is the one that films it it's just kind of you know the way um you know our banter back and forth and kind of the whole vibe of it and he's back to work and so we can only film on weekends because I, I was telling him, I was like, well, maybe we could get someone else. He goes, no, I want to do it. And he had so much <laughs> fun the first time. I love
3: that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, um, that's, uh,
2: yeah, so right after the recording, I'm headed to the thrift store because they were closed when I uh, filmed season one. So we're going to do some fun little shoots and stuff. This after- uh, I mean, yeah, this evening. So I'm super, super excited. That'll be so fun. Yeah.
1: Meg, can I make a confession?
0: Yes, please do. Some days when I'm just not feeling it, I go to our little place where we store our various images and videos and things to your Style Revive folder, and just look at that picture of Bunny sitting there twitching her nose. Oh, I. Love I'm sorry, that. not Bunny, Furry. I'm so sorry, Furry. Oh, <laughs> but uh, yes, so and so I, so I just do sit it there, all. and I'm like,
2: we do that Oh, Bunny, and well, in um. Season two, we have Bubbly now, so we have two bunnies in season Twice two. The bunny I fun! Twice oh, it's the so bun- exciting. <laughs> yeah. So I know I I often rewatch that video all the time because they're wiggly little nose. I can see her right now sitting on the couch looking at me, wiggling wiggling her little nose. So. She, Wait, knows yeah. she knows you're talking about her. <laughs> she does. She does. Yeah.
1: Well, let's go I- ahead and jump in then. Um. You guys and Kate, I believe you had something you wanted to discuss first before we happen to the full episode.
0: Yep. So before we get started with our main segment, I want to address a piece of feedback we received about the last episode. A listener wrote to us and said, really disappointed to hear one of you sewists say in your most recent podcast that you had to have a certain body type to pull off that look. That is body shaming. It is rude. And I'm saddened to hear that anyone in a sewing podcast would think and share that view. So I was the one who said that, and I do want to apologize. It was completely inappropriate. We were talking about the slinky trend, and I was coming from a place where I personally, with my body shape, would feel both extremely physically uncomfortable and extremely unattractive wearing that style. But I should not have projected those feelings about my own body onto other people. If you like the style and it makes you feel good to wear it, you should wear it and wear it with pride. We all struggle with our bo- own body issues, I think. And as much as I try to be body positive, I do fail sometimes. But that's not an excuse. So again, I apologize for what I said and I hope that you'll forgive me and be patient with me as I learn to do better.
1: Thanks for sharing that, Kate. I think that, you know, those kinds of things, um... They just run deep. Those, mm-hmm. those kind of lessons and things and, and ways that we think about our bodies, those, those lessons start early and they, oh, like yeah. I said, they run deep. And I've definitely, um, in our conversations on the podcast had things slip out that I was surprised by. And, um, and mm-hmm. I think it was also, um, a moment when we were talking about a trend and assessing it. And so, um, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. I think we all um, have work to do on that, on that yeah. front. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's
2: always good to, you know, acknowledge and you know what? Yeah. Look back on, you know, yours and be like, yeah, apologize. And, you know, yeah, just move forward. And yeah, thank you so much, Kate, for sharing. That was, I know for yeah, definitely me. I've, yeah, definitely said, you know, things about my body and stuff and it's, yeah, it's a tricky subject and it's, it's hard. For sure. Maybe it's time to get yeah. another body positive
0: episode on the I left. was just
1: thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Because there's yeah, there's so much fodder there for a good conversation, particularly oh, yeah. in sewing. And particularly as it kind of relates to what we'll be talking about today, um, which is really kind of passing this um this craft that we love so much that we're passionate about on to the next generation. And I definitely think that um Sewing has taught me so much about my body and has made me so much more body positive and just body aware um, and accepting. And that's definitely part of what I hope to share with the next generation, including my daughter. Um, So let's let's do jump in. Um, I think this episode will actually air in October, but September is National Sewing Month. And that's a month when I always think about um, kind of sewing in the bigger picture. Um, and, and in particular, thinking about um, the next generation of sewists who will be coming after us. Um, I think it's something that I think about as a professional uh, working within the, this industry, but also as a mom and a passionate sewist who cares very much about sewing and the sewing community and seeing that continue on. Um, so we're going to kick things off today talking about Kind of those early years, um, those first sewing related tasks that maybe you remember, Kate and Meg, as a sewist. And then thinking about um, ways that we can get um, younger people excited about sewing and, and really thinking about um, much younger kiddos. So probably like um, six and seven and younger. Um, so think back to those years. Maybe if you had any experience, if you had any people sewing around you, take doing a little bit of time traveling. Um, so my first question is, what is your earliest sewing memory? I think
0: that for me, and I'm sitting here looking at our outline, and you actually say sewing-related
1: memory on the outline. Yeah. Um, Anything related really- to sewing.
0: I, I think for me it was watch uh, it was going through my mom's sewing box. You know, mm. she had a a yeah.
3: box of
0: of just various supplies, not like I have a sewing box and it's a disaster full of mostly cross stitch stuff. Um actually I have I think two of those, but she had, you know, one that was that was for like mending and also held her extra um things for when she was working on the machine. And so, you know, I'd go in there and I'd look at the buttons and the safety pins and I don't even remember what else except for this one tool, which just fascinated me because it was like this little tiny crochet hook on one end, but it was really long and thin and had a ring at the end. And I now understand that it was a object for pulling a drawstring through a casing
2: oh, um, yeah.
0: you, you you feed it through and then you hook the the drawstring onto the little crochet hook at the end and you pull it back through, and it's had the little the little wiggly hinged thing that would that would mm-hmm. close up so that your hook didn't get caught as you were pu- anyway um fascinated by that never i i just it's so clear in my mind how fascinating it was, so um yeah so I, just, I really do just- I think
2: that that's. That's just a quick before I, my thought goes oh, yeah, yeah, away, yeah. just a funny story about how that tool is so multi-purpose. Julian's the the vacuum got clogged, and guess what? Unclogged it. That's that, <laughs> <tractor> <laughs> 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 that is watched. awesome. So if anyone has a clogged like vacuum, that was the pr- it like hooked around like the blinted like uh-huh. felted together li- and it pulled so i just wanted to say that before i forgot as that's just so funny i totally forgot about that until you mentioned that but that's so so handy just, well, well and I, don't, I don't have one of those tools and i feel like i need to what? figure out where i can get one
0: because I, I, you um, know i did i used to sit there and look at it and i was so fascinated and yeah. um and and i don't I don't have one and I find that ridiculous because why am I not using that instead of a safety pin to pull my elastic through things? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's going on my Christmas list.
3: Oh, totally. Mm-hmm.
2: How about you, Meg? What's your first sewing related memory? Um, I'm trying to, I was actually trying to think cause I was thinking, you know what? It was me like starting sewing paper when I started sewing lessons. And then I was thinking back, I was like, Sewing related memory. It was when I was little and I would go over to my uh my grandma's house and she had a little sewing and yeah, it was just me like poking around, like opening things and just yeah. Um, uh, that's totally it. And just she would sew like my dolls, clothes, and stuff like that. And yeah, that I guess that was just yeah, just kind of poking around and so cool. And then yeah, totally that little signature sewing box. My mom still has that exact same one and it has the exact same like buttons and like Tiny like thread that you get from hotels in it. And <laughs> mm-hmm. even but now, when I go back home, it's me reaching for it. And she goes, I have all these buttons that you need to sew. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I still have, now it's me reaching for the phone. Right. <laughs> yeah. So
1: funny. You know, I think that um I probably did a little bit of exploring in my mom's sewing box. There's just so much to look at, so many fun tools oh. and threads and it's buttons. Actually, when you don't know
2: what they are is like, exactly. you're, it's, just, you're it's so, just you just
1: want to touch everything It's like it? a treasure box um mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, but I do remember I must have been I was probably a little bit older I was probably maybe like four and I remember um I remember my mom would sew like on the weekends and stuff and she would set up her sewing machine at the kitchen table and oh. I remember working with um I remember she would be working with a pattern and Um, I think she was making me, um, she's making me a dress. And I remember sitting with her while she tried to figure out this pocket. It was a, it was a patch pocket, but it had this little, um, piece that folded over and tied in a bow that was part of the pocket. It was kind of like, um, just a little decoration on the top, but you kind of sewed it all together. And I remember that she was just stumped by how (laughs) this went together And I remember just sitting there with her, like watching her try to figure it out and then eventually, you know, figure out how it was supposed to be sewn on. Um, But and I think from there, you know, probably a little bit later, like I, I feel like I was around sewing a bunch when I was in that age range, like that four to six age range and then came back to it. Um, my mom was no longer sewing, but I came back to it when I was probably like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And I remember making some really fun little purses. And um, I know I've told this story before, but I definitely spent a lot of time making outfits for my troll dolls. Um, oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> oh, I
2: remember. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. I love that.
1: So <laughs> fun. Can,
0: can <gasps> I tell you a story of my first um, sewing project that I can remember? Yeah. I uh I remember trying to sew a, a little pillow, like a little doll pillow, and it was it was round because I wasn't like I don't know, I wasn't worrying about about square pillows, and I can just remember looking at it and I was doing hand running stitches that must have been three quarters of an inch long. They were huge and I didn't understand about the whole Uh, right sides together and turn thing so it Mm -hmm. was just it was just all the way around with some stuffing in the middle and i'm pretty sure i didn't ever figure out how to do a knot so um, and i did that all by myself there was no assistance that was just i'm gonna take this piece of fabric i found and make a pillow so there we go (laughs) nice (sighs) nice Um... is laughing at the face i just made (laughs) i think (laughs) <laughs> oh
2: no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was trying I was thinking about Ju, like this just brought up a memory when um I first went to Julian's parents' house like right after we met and in his childhood bedroom and it's still there to this day. It's the pillow that he made when he was like in in grade school. And he goes, and I remember the first thing he said, he goes, I made this pillow, Megan. <laughs> it's so funny. And it's quilt to pillow and it is so Stuffed to the br- It was. It's <laughs> so like he overstuffed it so, hard. and it's still there. And so when we go there, and he always like it's my little pillow that I made. And it's the it And It's all you know. All the corners are mismatched and stuff, but it's oh, so yeah. cute. <laughs> when I was in, okay, I'm sorry. I,
0: I swear we'll let, we'll move on after this. I swear. Yeah.
2: Um, when I was in uh, <laughs> love, sewing early sewing memories. It's, yeah, it's I know nice. right.
0: When I was in um, middle school, we were doing basically home ec. Um, the only thing we sewed was pillows and a, it was a lot of hand sewing. And one of them was actually uh, coloring. We just got square pillows with something printed on them. And we'd sit there with fabric markers and color them in. Oh, um, that's cool. So it was, it was fun, but I'm not sure it was really great for educating you on how to sew. Um, but <laughs> we won't go into that in great detail. But my husband, who went to the same middle school that I did four years previous, he actually made a little duffel bag. And he still has it. It's, it's. I mean, it's teeny tiny, but he still has it, and it is a functional duffel bag. And he takes it with him when he goes camping and stuff. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, why did they move to pillows by the time I got there? I mean, why didn't I learn the basics of stitching a <laughs> duffel bag? I, it's not complicated. It's not. It's not like anything fancy. I don't think it has a zipper even. But I'm just sitting here like, what? What died in the curriculum <laughs> between mm-hmm. when he was there and I was there? Okay, I'm done. Uh,
1: thank you. We can move on. Probably <laughs> the funding. <laughs> yes, that probably was it. Um All right, so jumping back in, see trips down memory lane. Yeah. So fun. Um next question is, have you ever taught a kid or a young person to sew? I have not. Um, I occasionally help other
0: people mostly Mark, um, when they have questions, but I've never Mm -hmm. sat down and been like, okay, this is how you thread a machine. This is how you put together a pattern. This is how you, you know, X, Y, Z.
1: What about you, Meg? I know you have a ton of instruction experience in sewing.
2: Yeah, I've never dealt with um, teaching any children to sew. It's all adult, like my friends and Julian. And um, even when I had like my, uh, would do some teaching at, you know, sewing events. And it's, yeah, it's all adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I always find some of my friends and Julian are just like teaching kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so funny. (laughs) But um, Julian's actually his little cousin. Uh, She's just getting into high school and she, I think she's expressing some interest in learning how to sew. uh, So I might set up some times that um, I can help her maybe once this all we can kind of get back to physically up together again, for sure. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I keep dropping
2: hints at my niece, but she's not interested. (laughs) No.
1: I tried that too. My niece was here over the summer um, and she's 21 and, uh, it was, it was tough. I think it's, uh, and, and I have, um, I have failed largely teaching my daughter to sew, um, because it's just, it's really hard. It's really a different way of thinking about sewing. I have shared on the podcast before that I purchased a little machine for my daughter. I think it was her fourth, her Christmas when she was four (laughs) years old. I mean, it was really Way too young, but I was really excited. excited. I had <laughs> big, big plans of us—you know, me teaching her and us sewing together, and it being beautiful and amazing. And every time we've tried since, it has—it's not ended in tears, but um, it's devolved pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely on my list. Um, but I wondered, and I know all of us kind of have some sewing instruction experience, and I wondered um, what when you have. Kind of helped someone to, to sew, or taught someone, or you know, what whatever level they're at. What are your words of wisdom that you have picked up along the way? Huh? I, don't, <laughs> I think for <laughs> me, go ahead, Kay.
0: <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I was just going to say I think my general what I wish somebody had told me when I was first learning to sew, and so what I would be sure to tell anybody else, and I know I've told you guys this, um, you've all heard this before, but it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't oh, have to yeah, be yeah. totally exact. I mean, obviously you don't want it going off by huge amounts or anything, but it it, it doesn't have to be every stitch exactly where it needs to be. It doesn't, I mean, mm-hmm. your edges are going to raffle a little bit and you're, you might not be able to keep your seam completely and totally straight. I, s- I still never sew my seams completely and totally straight. Um, cause I always like I'm shifting my hand and something goes weird and that's yeah. okay. It's not, it, it's small, it's tiny. Nobody's ever going to notice those sort of things. So that would be, that would be kind of my thing is that there are certain things that you need to do that to, to basically to sew right. And I mean, you need to remember to press your seams. you know, you can't skip that step. Mm. um with any regularity because that's going to really mess up your your quality um and you know you've got to make sure that there's thread in your bob and certain little things like that but yeah things don't have to be things don't have to be so perfect that that a little mistake here and there isn't you know okay and even if it is even if you have to rip out a seam that's okay. Everybody has
1: to rip out seams sometimes. Yeah, that's part of the process. One yep. of the
0: things, I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a mini tangent again. One of the things that really strikes me, every t- almost every time I edit one of our Meet the Maker features, one of our questions in that feature is, what is your most important tool? And at least half the people say it's a seam ripper. And these are, mm-hmm. these <laughs> are professionals sorry. who have been doing this for years a seam ripper is important. <laughs> Everybody needs a seam ripper. Everybody has to fix mistakes. It's just it it's just part of the process and um letting it get to you is is not the best way to enjoy doing your thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for that reason it's kind of a it's kind of a good activity for little kids because I think yeah. little little kids in my experience, at least my kiddos um, around that five to six range, they are, they're still very focused on perfection. They don't want to do it unless they know they're going to do it perfectly. They don't want to do it unless they know they're going to get it right. There's a lot of anxiety around that. And I feel like sewing is actually pretty good for that because it's so, um, it is so forgiving and it is one of those, um, crafts where you learn pretty early on that, the seam ripper is your friend and perfection isn't the goal. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And that even when you make a huge mistake, you just go with Meg's motto
2: and make it work. Make it work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I do in a, you know, even when, um, I do eventually, you know, maybe teach some kids and, you know, as we get older, all my, you know, my friends are having children now. And my one friend that, um, my golfing friend, she has a little three-year-old and she's so interested in sewing and she wants to get her interested in, and her herself want to learn how to sew. So I think I'll come over and teach you both at the same time because uh, they, they got a sewing machine. So nice. my thing is like, I I don't like to go with like wisdom or like, all right, this is how it's done. I just give so much encouragement. Like even mm-hmm. when you just sew a seam, I go, oh, look at that. Wow. Like, is it you? That's perfect like look, see how easy that was or they they sew something they try to go oh my gosh can you believe you made that and they're like hey, everyone just have a smile and i'm just so encouraging that's what my old friends always tell me they love when i'm around sewing because i get so enthusiastic i'm like oh, look what you did wow like <laughs> <laughs> i imagine that's how you are with
1: julian is I that how so, you are with julian yes and he, okay, he has good. a big
2: smile on her face i'm like oh, let's perfect he go really i'm like yeah look it's like it's not that hard i always say see it's not that hard like i think everyone thinks it's so intimidating and i for everything i do see that wasn't that hard now just picture you sewed that one seam and then you just sew four again and then you have like a garment and it's it's easy so i just give so much encouragement and just enthusiasm um so that's what i do (laughs)
3: I like that. Sorry, I'm sorry
2: for my neighbors. They probably when I have my girlfriends over, so it's supposed to be so loud. <laughs> awesome. I love that.
1: Well, I think those were very awesome words of wisdom. So thanks for sharing. Um we did we we have a blog on the um the So Daily site that has a listing. I put together a listing actually of um six or seven activities that are really just kind of base level sewing activities for kids to get started. And that was actually something that I worked on right at the beginning of the pandemic and the quarantine. And I have um those are all kid tested and kid approved, but I just uh-huh. wanted to kind of talk through them um really quickly. And there are things that we've already discussed a little bit um in, in just the ways that we got started. And one is really scrap play, like thinking about Ooh. my youngest, who is four he would totally get interested in a big pile of scraps and seeing what he could make with those. I think for a little older kid, thinking about um, fun doll clothes, or in our case, at our house, we make dinosaur clothes for Christmas and create little (laughs) outfits for them. And um, both my, my sons and my daughter all get into that. And I think that's I think that's actually you learn a lot when you are making something, even for a doll, about the how things have to work three dimension, the three dimensional nature of things, how things have to kind of Mm -hmm. go around a body, even if it's a dinosaur. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you know, even though those are you know experimental and fun, um, I think that you actually do learn a lot as a kid just getting started. One other thing, uh, I was,
0: it's it's like. Real basic draping honestly,
1: yeah, absolutely. even on the those early years working with my troll doll i was mm-hmm. I was draping <laughs> gowns for her. <laughs> um, one other quick task too to think about getting comfortable with needle and thread um, is beading, so using needle and thread to bead um, to string beads, I think is a really good skill for that you know early. Eye hand coordination, which translates mm-hmm. really quickly into buttons. My daughter loves buttons. I think she gets it from me. She loves one yeah, like, wonder where she got. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> digging, digging through vintage buttons with her mom. Um, loves sewing buttons on. I think that's a really fun, and that's also, I think beading and using buttons, um, sewing on buttons is a very quick kind of instant gratification thing. Whereas you know other tasks take a little bit of time for it to look like anything. a button looks like a button sewn on a piece of fabric really quickly. and I think for kids mm-hmm. who have shorter attention spans and, and need that kind of instant aha mm-hmm. uh-huh moment, um, buttons are a really good place to start. One thing that my daughter got really into um, from this list was just simple hand embroidery, so just hooping some fabric. We um, wrote her name in a little friction pin, and she traced the letters of her name and asked to do that over and over and over again. Aww. She was really into it, and I think that was, um, you know, that's again, it's hand sewing, but um, I think there's just kind of getting used to controlling the direction of the needle and the length of the stitches mm-hmm. and all of that, going around a curve um, is a really good. Early step, um, and when we well, eventually I'm... go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, if you, if
0: you, even if you're planning on doing mostly machine sewing, it's always good to have that needle and thread hand eye coordination because you're always oh, yeah. going to need. You need to tack yeah. down a facing. You need to maybe you want to hand stitch your hem. Maybe you want. Maybe you have buttons. You need to sew on. It's. I mean, it's always good to practice with that sort of thing.
2: Is there any like safety precautions, like when teaching kids, like with like the sharp needle and like sewing through fingers and stuff? Like, I'm just like in scissors and stuff. I'm not a, like I uh, not around enough kids to know like what they should and shouldn't like have to play with in the ages and stuff. Is that ever like a consideration? I'm just, I think
1: so. I mean, I think it really yeah. depends
2: on the kid, especially oh, with okay. scissors.
1: I feel like different kids. Um, get used to scissors at different rates, and oh, okay. um, so I think it really depends on the kid. And you know, I was thinking about needles, and I do think that's a really good—that's um, a good I poke point. myself All the time, I know. Well, <laughs> I'm, I mean, just it's a good lesson before you move to the machine to respect oh, the sure. needle. You respect, know, right? Res- yeah, because it's sharp <laughs> and it can it can cause damage.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that's, little hands, thats a good Lottie's lesson here. to learn. Little hands are
2: a lot easier to get under a sewing machine needle than big hands. Right. It's a little foot. It's true. It's Mm -hmm. true.
1: Uh And um, when we eventually dust off my daughter's super cute purple sewing machine, um, we are, I think we're going to do some really easy machine piecing. Because I feel like that's a really good way. You know, that's a big jump. But when you're machine piecing you're you're largely talking about straight lines and you can really learn about seam allowance. And yes, um, Mm -hmm. before you jump into an actual project and feel like you can do strips and strips and strips pretty easily. And then, you know, turn that into something or not just have it be really good practice for your first time on the machine. Mm -hmm. Any other kind of first tasks you would add to that list? I mean,
0: obviously I'm a fan of pillows. Uh yeah, clearly. Pillows. And and I do think that, that pillows are I mean, they're they're not the most interesting thing. You don't want to make like seventeen of them. But for a first project, I think they're pretty solid because they're just a yeah. few seams. Turn it inside out, stuff it, and it's like, Hey, look, you just made a pillow. And um I think that's pretty it's it's quick and it's gratifying.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
0: so that's and kind even of,
2: like masks like it's like kind yeah okay. yeah because if maybe it would encourage them to you know um wear them more you know they have to wear them going to school now i think even in uh canada so maybe they would get more excited about making their own mask to wear it mm-hmm. just like a th- like obviously you can like double check to make sure it is like you know secu- there's not any holes that would or you know right, for, right, uh right. with any safety precautions but Yeah, or even just oh, like just paper. You don't have the frustration of the needle, like just stitching lines down like a gridded piece of paper, just to get the feel uh, Mm -hmm. and then nothing's threaded. So that's how that's the very. I didn't sew when I first sat down in a sewing machine. Paper was the first thing that I got. Just get the needle used to the hole, and and then you do one that's like a curve, and you learn pivots, and then you move on to thread and fabric. That's how I personally, uh, when I was younger. Got it, so the machine wasn't even threaded. No, 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 it wasn't it. even threaded. yeah, it was just that's the it. needle going and i I do that's that smart. with when I, my friends come mm-hmm. over too. I print off i just um uh I think I have a template that's include. I include in the Berta certification course and it's various lines and and then you do tef- different stitch lengths, and so uh, that maybe more for advanced like when you're an adult learning to so sew you can you test out like when it gets larger or smaller, but maybe for it's just you know getting you know. The feel for it and mm-hmm. not having to worry about you know, bobbin threads and all the right stuff. I don't know. I Go think ahead. that might
0: depend a little bit on age, honestly, because yeah, um, I sure, know some kids who might get real sick of stitching holes in paper real fast. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: true. I mean, yeah.
1: But I think that's I think that's a great idea though. I mean, paper oh, yeah. endlessly easier to manipulate than fabric. Um, yeah. Especially for those young hands. So that's a great idea, Meg. I'll add that to the list of things to try <laughs> once we <laughs> we, dust, we dust off the machine. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot to think about for next steps. Um, we're actually, we've got a, another list um, of kind of first, like if you've got an older kid who does have a little bit of sewing experience, maybe they've made a pillow or a mask. Um, and they're ready to hop into an actual first project. We have a list of recommendations for that. And I'll include that, um, in the show notes page because I am, I'm fairly certain my daughter just wants to hop, you know, she wants to skip all the intermediate steps and just hop into (laughs) fancy evening wear. And, um, I'm not really even sure how to approach that because I, I know she's, she's got big dreams and big aspirations, um, so it's, it's hard for her to take those small incremental steps. But I think I think important as well. Yeah. Um, and also speaking of next steps, um, we are going to take a quick break here and then we are going to hear from our special guest, Janome educator Regina Carlavaro, who's going to share some additional ideas for getting slightly older kids sewing, taking those next steps, carving out time for teaching kids to sew lots of good stuff in the next segment. We are so excited to welcome Regina Carlavaro back to Sew and Tell. If you remember, Regina works as an educator for Janome, and she joined us a few months ago for a discussion about beginner and beyond sewing machines with some super helpful information. Um, We've already discussed a little bit about kind of those first steps in sewing for kids to take, um, but we're happy to have Regina on to kind of discuss some next step options for kids uh, when they're when they're ready to do something a little bit more formal. So Regina, thank you so
3: much for joining us again. Thank you for having me back. I really enjoyed my time with you last time, so I'm looking forward to visiting with you again. Let's jump in. Uh, first,
1: I wanted to start with a discussion of the Quilts Cadets program by Latifa Safir that Janomi is um, currently supporting and Regina, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how that program works. It sounds terrific.
3: It's absolutely awesome. The first time Latifa showed the uh, idea to me a couple years ago at Houston Quilt Market, I got goosebumps um, oh, because yeah. it's like um, Girl Scouts on steroids, but for sewing only. And um, it's fabulous. She's so creative and she's so passionate about getting young people sewing. And so she created these patterns and she uh, thought was very mindful about how kids think and what would get them excited. And so she designed these patterns so that they're, uh, they're skill building. So you learn something as you make this one project and um, very well illustrated uh, great pointers at the beginning about hey, if you're a beginner, you need to have your adult there to help you learn how to use the scissors correctly. But she, in each pattern, not only does she skill build and help the kids learn new sewing um, skills that won't won't just equate to quilting, but to the whole world of sewing and opens it all up to them. But each pattern has a prize in it, kind of like cracker jacks. Um, but also, they can earn badges. So the first time they use um, a, a scissor correctly, there's a badge for that. The first time they sew something that's got a curve to it, there's a badge for it. First time they insert a zipper, a badge. So you get the idea. Um, and so kids love that idea of collecting those badges to help show you know their journey. Um, I know my, my daughters, when they were in Girl Scouts, they loved that. They couldn't wait to earn a new badge, so I you know could sew it on their vest. So it's that same philosophy. But there's skill building, learning how to sew first with some parental supervision. But as they go, they get better and stronger and more confident. So not only do they have the badges to show for it, but they also have that inner confidence of learning how to make something from, from beginning to end.
1: I love that so much. First. I want some sewing badges. Just I was just for <laughs> myself.
2: thinking that too. I was, um,
1: anytime I, I insert a zipper or do a buttonhole, like I need, uh, I need it. Um, I agree. Yeah. And second, I just wanted to say the projects are so cute. Um, there are some really adorable brekkie bags. There's like yes. toast or, um, sorry, there's a Pop Tart. There's waffle. Um, some really cute themed. Um, enchanted travel pillows
3: the unicorn is absolutely adorable Uh, i love the one pillow pattern where they can actually personalize the parts of the face so they can bring the you know pick the eyes they want the nose the mouth the hair and so they can personalize the pillow to look like them oh i love that so you know it's just next level because it also is teaching them how to plan Mm -hmm. And when you learn that, you know, and and learning how to sew, I think that's what makes the best problem solvers in the world. And so, you know, if we can get all these young people planning ahead, making something, um, then, you know, just that confidence building in them. And it's just I I just love it. I I just can't say enough about it. Amazing.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's like um, I love that customization angle, too, because I think my My daughter's probably a little bit young for um, this program, although I want to dive into that a little bit. But she is all about customization. You know, I think and I so I love that it's like you learn the rules, but there's also a little bit of experimentation, making it your own. It's a little less rigid, maybe a little bit more fun. I think that's such a good approach.
3: And I think that's the key factor in this. Right. Um, I know so many people who got turned off from sewing when they were in grade school or you know middle school, high school, because the, the rules were so stringent. Uh, so I think the, the ability to mentor these young people and encourage that creative streak. Uh, I, from my experience, when I used to teach kids how to sew in the store that I managed, I, my guidelines were pretty much if they could sit in a chair and their foot had reached the foot mm-hmm. control on the floor. They were old enough to join the class, <laughs> and I took it very carefully with them, and you know, um, you know, made sure that um, they were following some very good guidelines and rules about safety and scissors and pins and where their fingers were in relationship to the the, the uh, presser foot. Um, but I noticed something really amazing. They hadn't been told all the rules at that age, so they weren't full of fear. Yeah, they weren't afraid of doing things wrong and they were fearless. And I found, I mean, on a regular basis, the younger the kids, the more, the, the less fear they had and the more creativity they had. And the young kids would walk out of those classes with the most embellished project of anybody <laughs> because they were like, Oh, let me try this. Oh, right. I want to sew a button on for the nose. I want to, you know, do decorative stitches for this. And I love that because they weren't already told, no, you can't do that. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about age
1: range. And I was thinking about the Quilt Cadets program in general, but also kind of that first real project. What are your, what are your thoughts on that, Regina?
3: So I've went through a journey with my own children. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I think I had mentioned to you on a previous conversation, uh, my son wanted to make a quilt with me. He wanted a new quilt top for his bed. So I went to, and I looked at all these different patterns, you know, very, you know, uh, juvenile looking quilt patterns thinking, okay, I'm just going to pick out a juvenile quilt pattern and we're going to go from there. I learned from that. That's a huge mistake. You don't buy a pattern that is for kids for, you know, the end result. You find right. a pattern that's for kids to sew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I had my son sitting down at a sewing machine strip piecing for me and they were one and a half inch strips sewn together with a quarter inch foot. Um, I had a guide on the machine and I, I have to say for, for those skinny little strips, he did really, really well. Then I had to subcut those and I had to use those to frame the fussy cut block. So if he was a little bit off, yeah, you know, I had to really, really, <laughs> you know, manipulate that fabric to make those fit. And it was not the funnest thing I've ever done. So I learned a lot from that. So, you know, a, a basic pillow pattern for a kid, maybe a four patch if you're if you're a quilter and that's something they would like to do is make a pillow for their bed or even a pillowcase. Uh, pillowcases are very rectangular, very straight line, very easy to sew. Uh, we've taught Girl Scouts in our actual office at Genomi how to make pillowcases um, down to the age of seven. And they loved it. They were so excited to have a pillowcase that they were going to take home and put on their bed. So, you know, that younger age, I think that's really important to make sure it's just straight lines. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Um, and then, you know, moving up, uh, then I, I brought my daughters in and we made pajama bottoms together. Again, straight lines, mm-hmm. but they learned next level skills about how to insert elastic into a waistband, how to hem, uh, a little bit of fitting. And at the end of the day, they had a garment they could wear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though I'm, in my mind it's something you only wear in the house, well, today young people wear pajama bottoms in school a lot. So it ended up being something they wore out of the house. <laughs> But, you know, they got to their first taste of making a garment for themselves. And I would say that age group was around, I would say, 10 to 13 in that span. Mm -hmm. And that worked out really well for them because they start getting interested in fashion and wanting Uh to, you know, to get into that.
1: Well, cool. Well, let's let's talk about that older age group a little bit. Um, And I think, again, like once you've kind of got the sewing basics down, um, I really think it's fun to show kids how sewing can be, you know, it's, it's something that's very practical, but it's also a really great um, method for self-expression. Um, and one organization um, that is doing a lot in that area is the Social Justice Sewing Academy. And I believe, Regina, that Genomi um, is actually working with that organization as well. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. It's something we're really proud of. Um, we reached out to the, uh, the the woman who organized the uh, Sewing Justice Social. I, I always get that. I, I always call it SJSA. <laughs> so call after, it that, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we reached out to her and we were like, hey, what can we do as a sewing machine company to get involved and to help you and to help promote sewing among young people, especially those who are in uh, inner cities? Right. Um where the, you know, the uh, home ec and the sewing courses have been taken out of school because they don't have the budget for it. But uh, she's done such a great job with using sewing as a way for these young people to express themselves, whether it's about their social standing or where their place in the world is. And they're doing amazing things. And so we as a company um, are, we've we've become like, a I guess, a, a congruent for... Introducing some of our makers and our artisans to them and uh, SJSA created a program where we can connect our artisans, our makers, people in our sewing community to help mentor a class of young people who are looking to use their art, to use their sewing, to turn it into some type of business opportunity. So mm-hmm. taking it from just not only just for expression and right. way of art, but also, hey, you can make a living with this. Right. So, yeah. um, so we've already, uh, you know, um, introduced them to Latifa Safar, who did already uh, teach a class with them. Um, and we have a few more other people that we're, uh, connecting them with. And at the end of that program, um, I believe there are 25 students in that class. At The end of that program, each student, is receiving from Genomi a $1,000 grant to help them in that startup. That's so cool. So, like I said, we're very proud of that because... Yeah. It's, yeah, we're, we really want to help them and help promote um, the sewing of these young people because, you know, at the end of the day, it's really selfish on our part. You know, we're, we're hoping to, you know, it's that... Um, Full, cir- full circle, full cycle in the sewing world. You know, We want young people sewing so that it gives back to our, our business in the long run and it keeps the sewing industry alive. And as you were talking, Regina, I was thinking
1: about um, when we had Bianca Springer on the show when we were talking about um, playing with fabric and fabric manipulation. And I was really surprised to hear that she has her kids help her with that. And invites them into the studio and, and oh, yeah. they work on that too. And that was really inspiring for me as well, because I think that's, um, you know, that's a particular side of the craft where, you know, there is no perfection. It's really about experimentation. And I really, that just, that really stuck with me. Um, and, and I think um, what you were saying, particularly about body image for girls, um, and when that becomes, you know, a hard thing, um, I think about all of the many ways in which sewing has helped me work through some of those issues and learn more about my
3: shape and my body. Um, well, and the other, the other thing I think about, too, is, you know, because when you're in the sewing room, you can think a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I often when I'm at quilt shows and people are coming into the booth and they're buying for um, a young person. It's usually the grandmother with the granddaughter. It's very mm-hmm. rarely the mom You're right. with the daughter. And it made me start thinking one show, you know, because they were like, no, my mom doesn't sew. It does you know. And I started wondering, like, you know, is it possible that because, you know, the, the, the first generation sewed all the time that the daughter resented the mom from sewing because she was in the room sewing all the time and not spending the time with her and didn't want to have anything to do with it? Or, you know, is it that, you know, I maybe mean, just the mom sewed really terrible clothing and the daughter didn't like it, but who knows? <laughs> um, but, you know, I wonder about that and thinking, well, you know, if they're if uh, your child's not feeling included in that hobby, then does it turn them off of it? So yeah. right. I think that the best practice is, okay, let's invite them in. Not everybody's going to have the propensity to it or the aptitude for it, but you know what? At least give it a shot and see. And even if at a young age, they don't, maybe later on they will because they have that great fond memory of doing something with their mom or their, you know, or their grandma, you know, it could be any combination, but you know, at least it opens up the door. Absolutely. Well, thank
1: you so much, Regina. I feel like we could talk for about four more hours and, um, but I feel like that was, that was a really lovely conversation thinking about giving kids some really solid, ideas for next steps and working with them and carving time out, um, to, to spend sharing our love of
3: sewing. It's really, really, really inspiring. Well, thank you for inviting me here. Um, when this COVID thing is over, we definitely have to get together at some point, have a drink together. I would love that. Oh, it's yeah. on the list.
1: Absolutely. The
3: list. All right. <laughs>
1: thank you, Regina. Thank you. Oh, I love chatting with Regina. She's got such good wisdom to share. And I've like literally took some notes after we as we were chatting.
2: (laughs) Oh, I oh, know. Oh, 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 if I have a if I have a child, I'm going to get them on the the button train like yours. Totally. Minute, so I don't have to sew any buttons. Off the oh, here you go. Yeah, this <laughs> is practice. Practice, practice, practice. Oh, okay. They're not straight. Take that one out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just-
1: <laughs> well, I have to say that um, when this episode drops, it will officially be October, and we are yeah. having a. Um month long celebration on sew daily for pants month, and I am so excited. We've got a lot of stuff going on on the site and this year, um I mean I'm always excited about pants. I think pants are my one of my favorite things to sew uh-huh and in recent years i've I've always been excited about pants month, but this year, I am going I'm having like a mini personal pantsapalooza. And I have, that's a lot of peas. I have a lot of pants that I want to sew for fall and winter. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to spend, I'll I'll check in, I'll share my progress. I'll let you guys know how I get on with things. But I think I've got like probably about five pairs that I want to sew. Wow. Many of them are elastic waist pants. They're not, but um, they're not full, you know, fitted fly front, all of that. Um, but I just, I have some that I need to replace in my wardrobe and some holes that I want to fill going into fall and winter. So
2: pants Pants Fest, Pants-tober. Nice. Should be fun. <laughs> I went for a walk the other day and I was wearing a pair of jeans with like a button-up fly. When I got, I could not peel those off fast enough and get, <laughs> oh, get my <laughs> meanie I know. I, I, oh, I was... Pretty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Kate? What's your sew <laughs> joke?
0: <laughs> all right. Well, in my last, in our last episode, I mentioned that I have to sew a wrap dress for an upcoming issue Ooh, of Sew so News, yeah. and uh, we all we're all working on that now, apparently. But um, I had kind of an epic week and a half um, because whenever I found some time to start taping together the pattern, my cat would come and lay on it. And then once I had um, everything cut out finally, and I was trying to cut the pattern pieces out, my cat would come and lay on those. And she really, really loves laying on fabric. She'll roll around on it and bat it with her claws. It's adorable. It is, but it's also very difficult because when you get into the groove and then you have to stop because there's a reason you can't (laughs) cut anymore, it can be real frustrating. And it turns out I hate... I always knew I wasn't a big fan of cutting things, but I apparently I hate cutting dresses because they're just they're too big. There's the pieces are just big and epic, and you have to manipulate them. Plus, this one was, um, this one was a directional print, and so I had so I couldn't Mm. like fold. So I had to cut almost everything single layer, and I was very frustrated. So we are eventually getting to the sojo part, which is. Yesterday, I actually got to start sewing this dress um, after all of this um, piece, uh, cutting and uh, yeah. making the pattern and uh, pre-serging, all of this stuff. And it's kind of a little bit more complicated than a lot of the things I sew. I tend to things where it's like four seams and you're done. Four seams a hem and you're done. And this one, this one's a little bit more complicated. It's kind of kimono style, but it's got like open pieces and... Um, it's it's really pretty so far I'm really liking it but I kind of forgot how much I enjoy doing those little tiny careful steps um because yeah. I don't do them very much anymore and so it's it, yeah I was sitting there and I'm like I should be annoyed by this but I'm not annoyed by this I'm actually really enjoying each of these each of these little short seams and this little delicate gathering right across this little part on the raglan um seam and and so, yeah, I, I haven't gotten very far because um, I didn't have that much time to work on it yesterday, but I was really enjoying all of those little steps, and it's actually the skirt is going to be lined, which is not something I do very often, so I'm kind of looking forward to all of these little the elements of. Doing yeah. something a little bit more complicated than normal. So that's kind of what's giving me my sojo today.
2: Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking I have my wrap dress cut out and I was looking through the instructions. It's the L O D um wrap dress from Closet Core and the first step is like stay stitching, and I thought to myself, maybe I'll actually do it this time. I did. I did stay stitch. I never stay stitch, but I did this time. No, That's so funny that you think. As I was looking, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. But I feel like I feel like stay stitching gets a badge.
3: Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Badge
2: totally gets a badge.
0: Yeah. Yes. Stay stitching oh. definitely under stitching and stay stitching. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and heroes
0: yeah well, what um, about you
2: meg what's your sojo yeah well actually so last week i was talking about my um my nini culottes and i've made two of them but i kind of switched plans for one of them i'm actually wearing the uh the black pair right now and i made another pair out of this kind of like linstone print like linen i oh I got God. it from match point and i think blackbird also sold it um sold it um but it's so funny that the wrap dress, one of the samples that was sewn for the, you know, the photography on the Core website is that same fabric. Oh, really? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I have a pair of ninis made out of that. And then I realized that my lime green kind of Lysol, like twill, beautiful fabric, I had just enough to cut a zadie. So I cut a zadie out of... So I'm going to have a lime green. And I cut the long sleeve one so it could be a fall. Oh. So, I have it cut out um, and I'm super, super excited. I have print- I printed the Zadie maybe about eight months ago. And I, have, <laughs> I just haven't cut it out yet. And so, I have it cut out. So, there's no going back. And I'm super excited about it. Awesome. I love a long sleeve
1: Zadie. Yeah. I feel like it's I'm- just like kind of next level mm-hmm. onesie. Yeah. Love it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. So cl- what? Can I talk about my my idea
3: sure yeah <laughs> okay
0: sorry <laughs> so last week we were talking about how none of us really liked the the bubble um trend mm-hmm. and
3: yeah, then i the yeah. more
0: i thought about it the more i realized that what i really want out of life when it starts to get cold is like a caftan made out of fleece and just like just like totally cocoon myself possibly hooded and then meg was like oh you can put fringe on it.
3: Yeah. Yes.
0: Like, yes. So anyway, that's um, possibly a second sojo. I'm just waiting for the fleece to go insane sale, so I can find something
1: ready. What curious. are those? Yes. What are those full? What are the the fleece blanket things that you <gasps> wear? Oh, oh. oh what, what are, are they, they like a snuggie? snuggie? A snuggie, snuggie. Yes. Yeah. So, so yes. we're talking like snuggie, but make it fashion. The picture yep. of Snuggy, in my head.
0: It, well, it's not going to be fashion. It's going to be Uh-oh. me hi- hi- basically hiding in a blanket when it gets cold out, and I'm still working from. That's what's good. I, yeah. I love. Yeah. Oh,
2: it. I want a snuggie. Sounds mm. yeah. <laughs> <I'm> so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Since I derailed and did an extra sojourn, um, I will uh, move us on now. Uh, it is now time for our so and tells, uh, where we uh, talk about the things that you. Uh, told us about our last episode. So last episode, we asked you, what are you sewing for fall and which fall trends, if any, will you incorporate into your plans? We got some very good responses. So I'll have Meg start us off.
2: Yeah, some really great responses. So first off, we have Fostering Sewing on Instagram and they said, I'm definitely feeling capes this fall, winter. Mm -hmm. At Trish, uh, Neuber.com has a great amber capulet pattern and at George and ginger pattern co have a cool Reverly Reverly revelry. revelry, revelry, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Revelry. Sorry. <laughs> add on that I'm loving and want to try. Ooh, what is a cool Reverly add on? Now I'm curious. It must I be mean. a pattern. Yeah. yeah oh, maybe it's a pattern. Yeah. But I'm yeah. so, I love a cape. Um, I, yeah, I think I could definitely see myself incorporating capes back into my wardrobe. It's just mm-hmm. so chic. Uh, I I, I responded to this on Instagram,
1: this comment, because I was like, I just didn't even think about capes because I yeah. feel like those yeah. are that's such a good transition piece too. like it's an, a great early fall piece. And then it can also be the thing that you wear before you get into your full on mm. snow winter coat.
3: Mm.
1: So fun. Um mm. we also heard from Poplin Peony, who said and I know I Kate picked this one for me. Uh, they said I think I hate them all. Although I might make a fuzzy coat with some fake fur with leopard print I have in my stash and I would like to make a quilted jacket but I'm not sure I will actually get to such involved makes this season. And yes, yes and yes. I'm I'm feeling mm. that. I'm I am uh-huh. feeling very committal right now. So I, mm. I loved what you said, Kate, about enjoying the kind of more detailed steps and processes. I am just not there. I'm like, give me the easy stuff. Um, <laughs> I think it's just it's just my mood. This this pandemic. <laughs> Which is fine. You know what?
3: Yeah. My, my philosophy
0: yeah. is whatever whatever gets you through the pandemic. Yeah. You know, you embrace hell. it. I, yep. I have done really very little sewing this year, especially this summer. Um, you know, all of my planned summer makes, I made like two of them. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of ridiculous. And I'm just telling myself it's, it's fine. Save the fabric. Yep. Do it next year. You're in the middle yeah, of a pandemic. Keep- you can take a breath and move on to life. Indeed. All right. And we also heard from Christy Makes, who said... I'm making overalls and long sleeve t-shirts. Also a pair of pants or two. Hoping to make a jacket too. I don't sew many trends. Focus on comfortable, wearable clothing. And that is where I am for this pandemic. I just want to yep. be comfortable. I am really oh, feeling yeah. what you said, Meg, about the about the button down fly jeans. Oh. Like, I had to put on jeans a couple of weeks ago and I got back from my trip to oh. the doctor or wherever it was and I'm like, oh God, get it off. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: I I have so many elastic waist pants in my fall. I just want to be comfortable <laughs> and cozy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> For sure.
0: Yep, yep. All right. So, ha, right. There's one more thing in this uh, section. One more thing. And, and that's next. This episode's question. So this episode, we're asking you, how do you bring the kids in your life into your sewing practice? And they don't have to be your kids. They can be your godkids or your nieces and nephews, your grandkids, yeah. um, neighbors, however, however, that makes sense for you,
1: but tell us how you bring them into your sewing practice. Ah, oh, we need, I need all the ideas I can get. <laughs> Definitely. And I know my mom
0: is listening to this with great interest because before the pandemic, my little cousin who's around seven, I think asked her to help to teach her how to sew. And, um, My mom had it all planned out. She borrowed an extra machine from me. She had it all set up. And then the pandemic hit hit, and uh, that was completely scuttled. But I know that she's looking forward to the day when she can pick that back up again. So any advice that you have for us and my mom,
1: please share it with us. Indeed. Well, that was a fun episode.
0: Yeah. It was. Not something I think about very often, not having kids. Yeah, same. It was interesting to think about and that little trip down memory lane.
2: All right.
1: Well, until next time, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Happy stitching. Have a nice weekend. Yeah. For links to
0: everything we talked about in this episode, go to our show notes page at sodailycom slash tell. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at sewandtellpodcast at goldenpeakmedia.com or visit us on Instagram at sointellpod. Answer the tell question, tell us your sojo, or just leave us some feedback. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. And please leave us a review, ideally a good one, because that helps listeners like you find our podcast. And tell your sewing friends about us, too. Thanks for listening, and happy stitching. Sew and Tell is produced by Meg Healy, Amanda Carestio, and me, Kate Zinard. Our consulting producer is Ron Doyle, and our executive producer is Jared Mayer.